0: What's going on everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Christian Nambu. Back to talk some NBA hoops with you. There's a lot going on this week. Kevin Durant out injured again from a completely innocuous fall in warm-ups. How (laughs) standard is that? Jam Morant is going to remain away from the Grizzlies. The Dylan Brooks, Draymond Green spot. How do the Grizzlies go forward from here? 76ers continue on their great great run another win last night but is it all real or will things start to to crumble as we get close to the postseason we'll also do a little highlight spot of a young man named Jalen williams out in okc who started to make a, a little run for himself but before we get into it just want to thank you all for listening making coast to coast your number one listen for your nba news your podcast and remember if you like what you're hearing like subscribe drop us that comment, you want to see something discussed, let us know, we will respond and we will keep producing that content, but you need to show us that love as well with the likes and subs- subscriptions because that's what, we're all, well, that's what we're all about here, but let's get right into the NBA stuff, the real stuff you came here to listen to. Kevin Durant, another injury just after coming back from a, a major one, this feels a little bit more minor, but it's just starting to feel like the injuries are just going to keep on plaguing this man until uh, for the for the rest of his career.
1: Yep. Um, so we, if anyone saw it, uh, "naive" is definitely that's a great word for it. You're really coming in with the vocab every single episode. Come to coast to coast if you need to expand your vocabulary. Ronan's got you covered. Last time we had what was it? Uh, uh, a dank squid? Da- no, a no, damp uh,
0: squid. Come on now, a damp, a damp squid. squid.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say this is definitely uh, this. Second half of the season, that's supposed to be this great, great open party for Kevin Durant to get used to the Suns. That's uh, been a bit of a damp squid. But does that does that apply? Did I use that right? Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of. I'm working, I'm working it in. But with that injury, it's really concerning, and I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna put my medicine hat on here. But just to see him get injured off of a layup line, that I mean, that suggests to me that you know there's a little bit of instability there if, if he's spraining his ankle a high was it a high uh ankle sprain I want to say a high ankle sprain off of a low con no contact just not even like going up against defense like a sprain like that that's concerning to me that that suggests to me that there's you know that wasn't a complete rehab maybe he shouldn't have been out there on time but I mean one thing I will say is that the Suns organization is very well known for having very good medical staff and really taking care of their players' health. So, you know, if, if anyone's going to – he's going to thrive somewhere, I mean, you'd have to hope it's with Phoenix, given their track their track record.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's for sure. It's just it, – every time he gets these little niggles and all, you just start to think more about so many players that, that this has happened to. They get their – they're so fine throughout first five, six, seven years of their career, they get that one bad injury and then all the little niggles just start to happen that bit more. We've seen it with LeBron James over the last few years. He has that bad injury the first year in LA and since then the little niggles and all have kept on creeping up at at important times for himself and and for the Lakers and now we're starting to see it with KD as well. I mean, obviously he tore tore his Achilles. He misses the entire nineteen twenty season. Next year, he plays 35 games, 21, 22, he plays 55 games. So far this year, he's played 42 games. There, I guess there's a chance that he maybe plays, what, like, could it only be maybe five more? That'll be less than 50 games played this year between uh, between Brooklyn and, and Phoenix. And and that's a, it, it's a bit concerning. You hope that's that that doesn't plague the the remaining years of his career and the, the, uh, the Suns really better hope that, uh, <laughs> it uh, it doesn't continue to happen because they uh, they gave up a lot to get him in. They gave up everything to win that to win that chip. But uh, unless he is at full tilt, they are not winning the chip. Especially not especially not this year. I don't think I could back them to win a series. But if KD is not at full tilt, they're not they're not going all the way.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a fair point. Um, if we're just talking right now about where the Suns are going to stand, um, just just the last thing on on KD's injuries. Um, he has a four-year contract and he's going to be what 38 by the end of it and the Suns are going to be stuck with that and this is way too early to be talking about like if if long-term it's going to be worth it because you know it's just an ankle sprain but it is worth talking about his track record and i think it's also worth mentioning that the nets were just i mean he was averaging i i, I don't want to speculate because i haven't looked up the i can take a look in a second but he just had way too many heavy minute games. He had way too many times where he's out there and it's not just like on the offensive end, on both ends of the floor, both ends of the floor. Like he is really pushing his all. And I think that with the Suns organization, with the role players they have on that team, with the playmakers they have on that team, there's not going to be the same physical burden that he's going to have. And hopefully that's going to prolong his career. That that's a big thing. Um, He's not going to have to carry the same way that he used to. Um, But for the Suns right now, I mean, this is a this is a concern. You know, they've they've definitely gotten back into form after a really abysmal end of the year last uh, last year to close out twenty twenty two, um, and they've gotten back up in the top five in the West. Obviously, all these positions are super super uh, I mean, tenuous. Like you don't know, you lose three games, you might be out of the playoffs. It's insane, mm-hmm. but. Look who's coming to the rescue! I mean, there there are role players on this team that have stepped up in the absence of Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, and obviously Kevin Durant. Right now, um, I don't know if we got to mention him before. Josh Kogie Yeah, I texted you about. I, I think we were talking basketball. And this is such classic of our basketball conversations where you're like texting me about like like Anthony Davis, and I can't be bothered to watch the Lakers in a night where Josh Kogi's got like 25 points and I'm freaking out over that, but. He's really had an opportunity here with the Suns. He's, he was a fantastic um, defender for the Timberwolves. Never got really a chance given his offensive struggles. And right now he's averaging 15.4 points. And on these splits, 46, 40, and 80. You know, I'm not going to go crazy over a 10-game stretch, but Josh Okogie, a guy who I think the league knows, great defender, amazing in, in the open court. He's such a hustle player. A guy like that for the Suns. I mean, he's really coming in the clutch that they just have a guy to pull off the bench without Kevin Durant and he's going to contribute in a meaningful way. Um, I mean, look at Ross. He had, he had what, 27 points uh, in his last game gets uh, Lee is still playing well. Jerry Craig is only up. They have guys to last them throughout the regular season to keep their position. And I agree with you. I think they're going to last the series without Kevin Durant. And I think that puts a lot of, of takes a lot of pressure off from them to come early. Like they they should be fine up until the semi, uh, the semi-conference finals. And Kevin Durant's a guy that he doesn't, I mean, the chemistry will get there, but I, I think he'll be fine just slotting in and playing with this team.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, and obviously the way Devin Booker has been playing over the last uh, the last few games, they won four straight in those four wins, 37, 35, 36, and mm-hmm. 44. Devin Booker is more than capable of keeping this team afloat and to, for, to keep them right there on the, on the coattails of, of the likes of uh, – of the of the top four in the Western Conference, and then they they could end up with a favorable, a favorable matchup in the first round, which you think they could get through too, even without KD, if it came to that, and they wanted to give KD that little bit more rest or so or something like that. Hopefully, he'd be fine come playoff time anyway. But you know they're going to be capable the, with without Kevin Durant. Obviously, they had Bridges and, and and Cam Johnson. They they got to the finals. They they went seven games with Dallas last year they they they're a capable team you'll see a bit more of aiton now that without uh without kd in the lineup when with him and, and cp3 and him and booker running pick and rolls they can still uh, destroy teams which is which is going to still be positive for them so uh, it's kind of almost like they've they made the move now this has happened and it's just kind of a a wait and see how it how it how it goes. I think they've done enough now to, to make sure to think they're gonna be in, in the playoffs. They're not gonna have to worry about the the play in as, as tough as it is in the uh, in the western conference. It's just kind of a question of what level is Durant at when we get to playoff time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly i go so far as to say like this wouldn't be ideal. Like you don't want to not have any playing time with Durant. But I go so far to say you have Booker playing this level. We've seen Ayton really elevate his game in the playoffs. We've seen Chris Paul, um, you know, have his moments in the playoffs still. And those three guys, and given what, what I just mentioned, those those role players that they have in this team, I think that they could continue to compete at a high level throughout the playoffs to the point where I, if Kevin Wright comes back game one of the finals, I, I, think, I think they'd be fine. I, I really think at the level that they're playing right now, that it would be it would be a tough journey without Kevin Durant. But I think that, you know, if you're going to expect Aiden to be the kind of player that you want him to be, if you're going to continue to expect greatness from Devin Booker, like Devin Booker to, you know, to be the guy that he wants to be, a top 10 type player, that I mean, this is another challenge for him, especially in a moment where you just added Kevin Durant and a lot's going to be said about your legacy. That you had to add a Kevin Durant to win a championship, you know, that this is going to be a little bit of nuance that he had he had to carry them through the playoffs without Kevin Durant. Maybe that's that's a that's a point to his legacy. So but at the end of the day, I, I think this is this is a great moment for the Suns team, for these role players, for these guys to continue to, you know, it's not just a Devin Booker team. Like this Phoenix Suns, since Chris Paul has gotten there, it's not just been about Devin Booker, Chris Paul, like this team is an organization. Um, the coaching job that they've had there. They're they're a fantastically coaches team. They're really good defensively and I think that'll keep them through the playoffs.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair, but whole but I'll, I'll definitely getting a, a little bit ahead of ourselves. We don't need to go into it too much of talking playoffs, but <laughs> the rain of back game will stay in the West. Uh Obviously, a lot's gone on with the Grizzlies of late. John Morant, his his off-court issues, that Instagram Live story of him presenting a gun, obviously not going to be charged, but he's going to be staying away from the team for for at least another couple of games, I think. To hear the stuff come out after uh, the the Instagram Live post went out, after he was originally uh, suspended, Apparently there was a team meeting where Stephen Adams, players only meeting. Stephen Adams basically stepping up, saying that they all had to behave better. But it, everyone kind of knew it, it was being directed at uh, at Morant. Got to behave better when they're on the road. They gotta they gotta be acting that bit more professionally. Morant is obviously in a space where he, he's struggling a little bit out, outside of the basketball world. What's really important now is that he's. Gets the right people in around him to make sure that this is just a minor blip, and he gets on a better path now for both himself, just in life, and for himself and the Grizzlies as a, as an organization, as a team.
1: Yeah, it's it's um. I guess one thing I'll I'll say because so much has been said, like you know across you know the media, across former players, current players, everything like. I think the one thing I think of the most is what we see from Ja um you know interacting with fans um the things you've seen him do in the community and I think he's clearly demonstrated that as a person like he's he's got a a big heart and like it's it's this is clearly a a diversion of his character like I, for on a lot of levels it's confusing and and you know, you just leave it at that. We don't. We don't really know as as fans, as people who you know look up to players. A lot of kids who look up to players. It's it. I think it is a big deal. I, I think a lot of people just want to downplay and be like, whatever. I I will say that it's a big deal that you have guys who are, um, who are looked up to, and it's difficult to see that. You know they're human. When we put people on pedestals and we expect. The best out of people we expect people to be perfect We expect them to always you know be like this non-human like perfect person and it, it's just not true and he's a young man and like there's so many things that people have to learn through through life and yeah hopefully it works out because I mean this is this is a this is supposed to be a moment of, of a great story because I think the Grizzlies and Jaw and like what how they've come up and how they've competed in this league and um, just on the sports side, I I think this is definitely a moment where you want him to be locked in, you want this team to be locked in, and it's bigger than basketball, of course. It's bigger than that. It's this is a this is a life thing. This is this is, you know, this this is more than just what happens on the court. But I mean what we do want to talk about on the court though is um how the Grizzlies have been doing. I mean, they've they've kind of bounced back a little bit here, even without Ja, and. I do want to ask the question. Are the Grizzlies and the Warriors a rivalry? Because it's been asked. And I think it's ridiculous that it's been asked personally, but I, I've been surprised at the amount of people that have said no. And what do you think?
0: It's kind of a weird one. It's 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 very much a situation where like the the Grizzlies are talking their talk, they're trying to trying to make it so that it's a rivalry with the Warriors basically saying like who the hell are who? Who even are the Memphis Grizzlies? Like we we don't we don't uh, we don't even consider them a, a, anything because they they've been nowhere while we've been while we've been dominating that sort of way. But the chippiness that's there, the battles that they've had over the last uh, over the last year or two, it is starting to become a rivalry. It, it, it's it's right on the cusp of it. I think we maybe need to see another playoff series to really say it's a dead heat rivalry. I mean, a lot of it's just Dylan Brooks and Draymond Green chatting shit about each other on their various podcasts and, and different things like that. But yeah, yeah, there's definitely a, there's a bit of beat between the two of them and, and, and it's always, it's always fun to see that uh, with two, uh, two teams in the same conference.
1: Yeah. Are, are we, are we in the meta podcast verse now? Like we're podcasting talking about podcasters <laughs> on a podcast, like I, whatever, but um, it's, it is entertaining. Like, and I, I really, I really think it's funny the the downplaying that Jameson Green did because like, listen like, Michael Jordan, and the Detroit Pistons, and then I'm in no way likening these two teams in that situation. I'm just likening the situation that that was a rivalry. And what just because Michael Jordan hadn't made it past them yet and hadn't won a championship yet, that was that was not a rivalry. That's not how that works. I mean, I, I think there's so much, there's so many more things that go into it. I mean, there's the recent history of the Grizzlies booting out the Warriors in the play. There's a recent history of them in a deep playoff battle where when, if John Rant's not hurt, I, you know, there's a lot of shoulda, coulda, woulda, what ifs, but that's a pretty big factor to why the Grizzlies did not advance past the Warriors. And they had some really good games against them. And I think as anyone who watches games between the Warriors and Grizzlies sees the elevation of play between both teams. And that that's not the the Grizzlies like some like crappy team getting up to play the Warriors, that's two teams who like know each other well and compete well and have a little bit of bad blood against each other. And, I, and as a fan, I think that's absolutely a rivalry because you don't get to see that, that very often. You don't get to see two teams that really have anything to say. Um, and I think it's funny that it's Dylan Brooks and Draymond Green. Draymond Green, obviously, very outspoken guy, very successful basketball player, hands down. But we don't see like the best players on teams really be the the guys to talk trash. Anymore. There, there's not, there's not your Charles Barkley's your, your Michael Jordan's like the, the guys who are leading the teams really saying anything. It's guys like Dylan. I mean, and I think that's why I like it. Like there, there's a certain like cockiness that people don't like about the Grizzlies, but you don't have guys that really bristle the feathers of other teams. Like teams are very cordial with each other. It's like all about professional competition, which is nice and all, but it's good to see like, like two teams really have a little bit of, Bad blood against you. I, I mean, that's good for the product. That's good to watch. It's good to see like a fight. You know, I, so I, I think it's a rivalry. I think that these two teams, if they meet in the playoffs, it's not going to be, you know, like big brother, little brother. These teams are, are very uniquely matched um, in their, their game without John Morant. I mean, Dray- Draymond tried to play down the loss to the Grizzlies, where the Grizzlies scored almost 50 points in the first quarter and outscore them by a million in the pain. I mean, they just looked like they had no rim protection, and supposedly that's where, you know, Draymond's running the defense. But there's there's clearly a lot of interesting matchups between these two teams, and this is something that you know we, we shouldn't downplay. We should celebrate this kind of matchup.
0: No, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's it's great to have that sort of chippiness back. We've kind of been waiting for it a while. There hasn't been that that almost kind of heel team that uh, yeah. are both. Good enough to back up their trash talk. I'm, I'm willing to do that trash talk against the the obviously the defend defending champions. And just a question of now the the Grizzlies getting back on on the right track. Obviously, it's tough to do while while Morant is away from the team and they're still without Stephen Adams. But they're now 39-26. nine twenty six. They're only they're still third in the, in the Western Conference. But five and five over their last ten games, they're just on that trajectory at the moment where it's kind of they feel like it win a game, lose a game, but there's no real progress either way happening. And hopefully Morant comes back the next the next week or two and the team can get back on the right track and they could be in good winning form getting towards the playoffs. Cause so that's that's the next thing to kind of quieten all this down. Jag gets back on his feet, he gets back playing like the superstar that he is on on the court and the Grizzlies get back to, to winning consistently.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to them being healthy. I'm looking forward to that because this is, I've been waiting for the Grizzlies, man. I have been waiting for them to have their moment to, to be in the finals. I think that they're they they should have been one of the teams to beat. Obviously, they they had a little bit of a a humbling moment. I think this this season they, they, had a, they had a bit of a stretch where after all this trash talk, after all this all this like hate they're getting on the internet, they go on this really tough stretch. But given Given that stretch, given kind of how like a bit of a change of the uh, the discussion around this team, they're not just like this young team where there's expectations. Um, And given what's happened with Ja, I think maybe there's a wake up call. There's a wake up call this season that there will definitely be a change, whether that's for better or for worse. There's definitely going to be a change uh, at the end of the season. This isn't just some like fun, fun loving team that's an upstart. Like there's expectations and there's. Not just on the court, but off the court for their biggest player and for all these players on this team. But um, when do we get to talk about my boy,
0: oh, we, we, is it about that time? We, no, 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 no. Oh, we can finish <laughs> off. Just one last point on the Grizzlies. I just want to say, Jaron Jackson Jr., the defensive player of the year?
1: Oh, he's also my boy. I I, oh, I would say, yeah. I would say, yeah. Um, it, it's It would be really tough to say who else at this point i mean how how prolific he's been um defending defending the paint is he the best shot blocker in the league i think the answer is yes he's the best shot blocker in the league um the grizzlies one of the best defensive teams in the league they are I mean, we got we got to argue about like how good are they in, in the drop and the switch. And I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is great at both of those. I mean, his foul trouble is down. There's not a lot of arguments against like what holes he has as as a defender. So it's not like he's just like kind of a niche defender like Gobert, who was so good at what he did specifically that he even won two times in a, three three times in a row. I'm forgetting now. We're we're I'm forgetting my my Gobert history after this season. It
0: was it two times? two times? It was in a row, two times. Three, t- three times total or something.
1: Like three that? Three times total. Two two times in a row. But, I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr., I think, is better perimeter defender than him as well. He's proven to be just as good a shot blocker this season. And I, I don't know how you argue anyone else deserves it more than he does at this point.
0: Yeah, and a, it's a great to see from him. I think, obviously, he started the, the season out, out injured. And then since he's come back, he's really taken that step up. And I think a lot of people were worried when he was coming into the season, coming off that injury. It's kind of how long it was going to take him to get back to the to the level that was expected of him and that he wanted to be at. But he's kind of really jumped right back into it straight off the bat, which is a big plus for himself and a and a big plus for uh, for the for the Grizzlies nation. And hopefully, they can now get back on track as we uh, as we head towards the uh, the rest of the season. But before we talk 76ers, before we head out east, we'll. We'll talk about your boy, Jalen Williams and the OKC Thunder, a rookie who has uh, stepped up of late and, and really looked like a, a talented, talented player.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> you, you were, see that. That's the tough part about him. Like you're we're not sure like where to put him in terms of like a tier like he's not he's not jumping off the page like, you know, an Anthony Edwards in his rookie year. Um but what he's doing is so complete, like I think you need to look closely at a player like this to realize how how really good he is, like very underrated. And I think it's important to talk about him right now as well, because, you know, we don't get to always say that we're right about things. Um, I think we're right like 50 percent of the time. And this is a perfect example because I'm looking back at, at uh, our our preview of the draft and my two favorite sleepers who I thought would be really good contributors on the team was Jalen Williams. And E.J. Liddell, who I have no idea where he is right now. But uh, that, that tough E.J., he should have been there. Um, but Jalen Williams, I mean, the beginning of the season, I mean, look look what he was doing. He had a lot of really good moments, like 10-point, 11 assists, double-doubles, really filling on the stat sheet. He had a 16.7 assist, six-rebound game against Memphis. And then now in 2023, like, he's really put it together. I mean, he is scoring in isolation, they're putting him in pick and roll and he's really showing the full package. Like he can really do everything at the body size that he is. Like he's bigger than Paul George. He's, and I'm scared to say stuff like that anymore after our, uh, our Cam Reddish debacle, me thinking he's going to be the next Paul George, but I swear like Jalen Williams really shows the full package and the IQ. And on a team like the Thunder, it, it really makes you think about why they were quiet at the trade deadline. You know, thinking maybe Shea is ready for a team that's competitive, start to get something around him. I mean, Jalen Williams might be a missing, might be the missing link. Uh, that's that I that doesn't sound like a hot take, but it is a hot take for a team that has been dying for a star um, or a second star, like a, a true engine in this team. I think Shea's answered that, and I think the next question is like, will he need some some co-stars around him? I think Jalen Williams has the real potential to be one of the guys around Shea if they're competing. For a championship one day, what what he's shown, I don't feel crazy saying that because you you look at the tape, he literally does everything. He can defend in the paint, he can defend the perimeter. He's a good screener. He's he's a great shooter. He's shooting. He's probably one of the best shooters um, in twenty twenty three above the break, and that's a tough shot. A lot of players, especially wing, young wing players, cannot be making that shot. Great cutter, great feel. Like there's not enough you can say about this guy. And for him to do this in his rookie year, I, I think that they, they the Thunder organization feel pretty confident that they found a missing piece to this team, and you just bring in Chet next season and they're ready to go. I think I if I'm a Thunder fan, if I'm a if I'm in the Thunder organization, if you're watching really closely what this guy is doing, I I think they feel pretty confident about that just because of how he's grown.
0: Yeah and his last his last four games obviously, it's come in two wins and two losses he's done a little bit of everything on both ends of the floor i mean 27 five five boards eight assists two steals and 24 points four boards seven assists two steals 26 4 4 and then in the last the last game the win a win over utah 32 points five boards five assists two steals two blocks very athletic very talented on both ends of the floor and playing alongside Shea, it's a it's a nice compliment to him. And then you get him playing off a big man like Chet Hungren, like we expect this what we are expecting Chet Hungren to be in this NBA. It really feels like that the OKC Thunder are 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 really building this team up in absolutely the right way. It's something you never in this modern age, it's something you almost don't believe can happen building up through the draft and, and through almost a a minor trade and what, what it felt like you were trading away your main piece to get the, that ultimately brought Shea Gilgis-Alexander to the team. They're they're building it up in this natural way. And the way it's coming together, it's – if you're an OKC Thunder fan, I mean, you've got to be absolutely loving this.
1: Yeah. And I'll, I'll go off the deep end right now. Like, I, I think that you're looking at the makeup of this team right now. If – and this is a big if. Like, if they're going to make some some solid veteran acquisitions – this off season and Chet Holmgren is healthy and he fits in the way that you think he does. I think the, the key young players they have on this team are so gifted intellectually. Their basketball IQ is just off the charts and you see it from the passing. You you see how good of a passer Giddy is, how good of a passer Williams is. And we already know how we've already talked ad nauseum, how great Shea Gilgis Alexander is. These three guys Plus, you add Chet, who's also proven in college to be a great passer. We'll see how his shooting pans out. But four, your four main young guys are unselfish, very smart, can space the floor, can really do everything, and you're you just need to you know kind of filter out some of these other young guys on the team who haven't really made it there yet. And in one off season, overnight, this could be one of those teams that next season feels like they come out of nowhere and they're in the playoffs like they go from being a lottery team to the playoffs and that that takes sometimes like a big move to get to that point. But I think they just need to add some, some veteran talent around this team just get some guys who are a little more consistent defensively. Um, I don't even to talk about Lou, Lou Dort, who I think is, you know, super underrated defender. So um, this team is, they're, they're getting ready. Um, well, while, while everyone's talking about the playoffs that, you know, maybe they make the playoffs, maybe they don't, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think it's exciting to think about next season with the growth and free agency that that'll come up in the summer that this team, I think they're a lot closer than we think they are.
0: Yeah. I mean the right veteran additions to this team could, could really be huge. A, a, a level of growth in, in year two from, from, from Jalen Williams, a, 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 another year of growth for, for Shea, for Josh giddy Chet coming in and doing what he can do. It's going to be, that could that could easily be a serious team, uh, capable of, of reaching the playoffs next year. So so quickly after thinking they were a team completely in a rebuild, who knows what's going to yeah. happen? It's great to see. So, we'll make your final call on Do You think they'll think they're going to snatch a, a playing spot this year, or do you think they'll they'll just miss out?
1: It's tough. It's gonna be. It's gonna come down to the wire. I mean, it's like you're flipping a coin on all these teams. It's gonna be them. It's gonna be the Pelicans. It's gonna be the the Lakers. Like, who who knows? If they if they make it in, though, I think that the question is, could they could they be a team that could upset? Do they have Do they have enough to be lucky in a seven game series to maybe make a big upset? Um, and I I say maybe. I say maybe. Cool, because here's here's my here's my argument for it. Um, probably not, but like, I don't, I don't think they're a team that, you know, gets in to the playoffs from the plan and then just gets torched. I think they're going to look a little bit like a Pelicans team who really takes it to a Suns type team. And the Suns are like, whoa, I, we need to take this seriously because Shea is not afraid of the moment. Like Shea is going to go toe to toe with whatever star he's, he's facing, whatever defense you put on him. And he's gonna be he's gonna be a thirty point per game guy in a seven game series. And then it's just a matter of can can a guy like Jalen Williams step up to the moment? Can a guy like Josh Giddy step up to the moment? Can Lou Dort be a great like? There's a ton of ton of X factors. You don't know who's gonna show up on on your bench, and it makes it it makes it tough to argue that they would. But I think they have they have a star and they have young guys who maybe they they just find themselves. And they're a they're a team that I wouldn't want to face. I'd, I'd rather face a known quantity. I'd rather face um, the Pelicans than than face the the Thunder. I think you you know what's going to happen with
0: the Pelicans. Yeah, I think uh, I think yeah, that's a fair argument. I think the way I look at it this year, I think and they're a team you really don't want to face if you're in the playing. But over a seven game stretch, I think any of the teams that are are already guaranteed to play have any of the top six teams, I think they will. Without taking the team lightly, I think they'd be confident of having enough to, to get by in in in, in, uh, in six games. But uh, that's that's uh, again getting ahead of ourselves a bit. Not really something that's important for OKC. They're they're not really too worried. I don't think if they get into the play-ins, if they get, get into the playoffs, it's a great year with their with their top draft pick injured. If not, they rebuild, they regroup, and look to a, an even better year next year. So that's that's the way. They're, they're, they they can't lose to uh, for the end of the season in, in OKC, I think. But let's flip it over to the Eastern Conference. Philadelphia 76ers on a nice little run of late. They're 44-22. They've won four straight, seven of their last ten. Had that win last night. Obviously, they needed Joel to step up in the, in the clutch and hit that game winner. They had to make a big comeback. But the way that they're playing at the moment... It it looks like a team different to what we've seen before. I know we've said that before with this this Philadelphia 76ers team a million times because, you know, the process, you got to trust the process. Uh, I was not- going to say
1: that this is like episode 100 of you <laughs> trying to convince me that the 76ers are ready to compete. So let's hear it.
0: <laughs> Joel Embiid is ready to compete. Joel Embiid is primed for a playoff domination, a playoff run. That's the main feeling. We also have James Harden playing like the best version of James Harden to be alongside Joel Embiid. I'm not saying this is 35 point per game, James Harden, but this is a James Harden who's averaging 22, 6, and 11, effectively, or 10 10.8 assists a game, shooting just below 40% from three. Having that alongside the most dominant scorer in the league, that is a pretty good one-two punch to be having.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll start by being positive because that's the right thing to do. I'm not going to start from being negative on you. So I always do that when you talk about the 76ers. But you are right about the offense in 2023. I mean, they've they've definitely turned over a new leaf. They've looked a lot smoother on that end of the floor. Second in offensive rating uh, since the turn of the year. Their first in three-point percentage, six in field goal percentage, moving the ball well, their eighth in total assists, and yeah, I mean, look at their, I mean, just counting stats wise, they're having probably the best stretch ever between these two guys. Um, and where are they at as a duo right now? Well, that that's another really interesting positive. Just right now in 2023, they're better than Brown and Tatum, playing more efficiently, scoring better. Garland and Mitchell, better. Brunson and Randall, better. Um, only two that you might have argument about is drew and Giannis Giannis is on a just insane tear right now and just again the bucks are so good that you just don't talk about them because you just expect it um and Jokic and Murray maybe you can have a conversation there but Harden and Embiid right now are arguably they're the best duo in basketball offensively um
0: had to get that, that
1: probably didn't didn't you? <laughs> I I do, and 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 that's the point. Like you, we can go all day right now about how good their offense is, and, and it has been. I think their their spacing has been great. They've they've really cleaned up, um, cleaned up the spacing around Embiid. I think Embiid as of late has been moving the ball a little bit better out of doubles and Harden has been attacking the paint a lot better, um, and he, he's just obviously one of the best playmakers in the league. We've seen that, and we know that. These are known things though. And th- this is my thing is we know how good they are offensively. Like if they were struggling right now, offensively, I wouldn't really think much of it. Cause I'm like, okay, they're going to figure it out by the playoffs. My question about them has been, and still is about the defense. And it's concerning me that they started off first half of the season, actually not bad. Like they were technically the third best defense by defensive rating. I mean, and you can call them a top five defense. I think they look like that very often. Um, but the concern was definitely the perimeter defense. You lose Matisse Stiebel, who who was inconsistent in the lineup anyway. Right now, in 2023, defensive rating 118. That puts them at 20th. They're 20th in defensive rating. And the perimeter defense has looked as bad as ever. And my question is, and PJ Tucker even said it himself. Like, uh, he talked pretty, pretty long uh, about their defensive struggles. But my question to you is, are they going to be a top four team in the league? Top two team in the East, if they are the 20th best defense, if their perimeter defense looks like this?
0: Well, at the same time, you, you put it that way, and obviously it's it's kind of been a bit of a swing. They've 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 really found it on offense, and that's obviously they've maybe neglected their, their defense a little bit, but at the same time. For the entire year, they're still the ninth uh, best defense in, in in the league. So you have to think, if this is a question of swings, they could be in a position where they're ready to get it right back on point as you get towards, you get towards the playoffs. I think the important thing you see from this team is they've gone behind in games, they've looked poor defensively, but they've also made big comebacks when... In crucial moments, they are capable of getting stops as well as some of the top defences in the NBA. And they've got the offensive power to be able to make the buckets when they need to make the buckets. And I think that's a that's a more important thing, I think, to focus on for this 76ers team than possibly the the, the, the slight slump in, in their defence. Maybe you'll look at it and think... If they're against a, a Milwaukee or or a Boston, they're not going to be able to afford to to go down that bit. They're not going to be able to have, afford to have that those slacks in their defense. But I think the offensive matchup that they'll have against those teams will make it pretty tough for any team to to stretch out ahead of, ahead of them either.
1: Yeah, and it, it's it's going to be a tough. It's going to be on. <laughs> the, I feel like we're having this conversation over and over and over again because it comes down to uh, Doc Rivers. But um you, know, you look at their lineup data, like that they have lineups out there that are good. Like they have very good, they're their best lineup right now. Um, PJ Tucker, James Harden, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Anthony Melton. A lineup that I think they'll rely on a lot. The playoffs, defensive rating 112. I mean that that's that's playoff level defense right there. Net rating of seven point six. They they have plenty of lineups to their disposition there that have led to consistently good defense throughout the season, using Melton, using Tucker. Um, we haven't seen enough from McDaniels, but he's going to be a guy that's going to be important for them defensively as well. I think one thing we'll, we will see, though, is that it's going to come down to Embiid in the post, and how can you deal with the double, and how is the spacing going to look if you have to throw out an extra defender out there, um, especially against a team like Celtics. So I, I I think it'd be it's a stretch to expect James Harden to get better defensively, but I think his... Maybe the lack of attention defensively from him and from Maxi, and even at times from Spice Harris, um, that could just be like end of the regular season type of thing. So maybe it is a swing. Maybe we'll just swing back to to focus in the playoffs. But not not seeing that, and you know, hearing specifically from Tucker talking about lack of communication on defense, um, the lack of care on defense. You see it on the floor. You see the lack of effort. You you don't see a whole lot of communication um, when there's just an easy basket like everyone just kind of turns around and walks no, nobody's talking so stuff stuff like that you don't love to see from a team that isn't at the point where they should not be caring about that mm. like it, there there should be you don't see this from the bucks you don't see this from the celtics i mean you don't even see this from like the heat like the teams that are consistently good defensively that's a mindset it's not just something you turn off and on and I, I do think that's still going to be the biggest question mark going into the playoffs, despite how good they've been. Because they have been good. Like I, you gotta give them credit. Like the, the shooting has been there. The the synergy between Harden and Embiid is as good as it's ever been. And that's really encouraging. But we need to see the defense pick up as well.
0: Yeah, no, that's 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 definitely a very good point. I think that if you think about it in, in almost in the entire league, you think that the 76ers should be the team that are playing with that biggest chip on their shoulder. Yeah. The whole the whole thing with the process, and obviously feels like he's never been healthy when they get to the playoffs. James Harden always has it leathered against him, how he uh how he's never won a chip, how he hasn't delivered enough in, in the playoffs. PJ Tucker was meant to be the guy to come in and, and really get this defense clicking and hasn't hasn't totally happened yet. Doc Rivers is a guy whose his whose who's coaching greatness has has been questioned. This is, this this seventy-sixers team should be playing with that dog and then playing with that chip on their shoulder and they need to they need to sh- start showing it you're right I'm loving what I'm seeing from them they're they're the 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 best part as a simple fan of basketball is uh, the 76ers games are, are really are really fun to watch now it's a question of being able to deliver they've got enough talent there but do they have that dog in them do they have that determination on the defensive end to to really dig in and they're gonna to have to beat at least one, if not two, of the uh, of the best uh, teams that we've seen over the last couple of years if they're gonna make a make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals or even the NBA Finals. So it's gonna to have to take a a big swing, and for MB to remain healthy, Harden to to remain doing what he's doing. They've got their their spark plug in Maxi, who's still averaging twenty points per game on forty percent shooting from three. Can the defense get back up to that level? Tobias Harris has to be playing top level defense because if he's not doing that, why the hell is he still in Philadelphia to be uh, to be totally honest? But I definitely take your point. But yeah, 76ers gotta have that chip on your shoulder. You gotta you really gotta dig in now. This is a this is a really key important stretch now to the end of the season and starting the playoffs for them.
1: Yeah, I have a super hot take slash question it just pops in my mind um if you were the 76ers and given what we just talked about off like how great they've been offensively and how much better they need to get on the perimeter defensively do you think that they would do a straight up trade if they could like in a made-up universe for Emmanuel quickly Tyrese Maxey Emmanuel quickly if you if you just needed to switch those two guys for this playoff run,
0: no, no, I don't think so. I think
1: there's a conversation to be had. And okay, this isn't this isn't me like saying like like quickly is better than than. It's the goat. Than, uh, <laughs> he, he's not he's not better than Maxi. That's not what I'm saying at all here. Before anyone kills me, what well, what I'm what I'm thinking about though, which is interesting, is that these two guys uh. Kind of had their rookie moments around the same time, and Maxi, but Maxi continued to get better, continued to get efficient, continued to to really look smooth offensively, and quickly has taken um, taking his time a little bit to to get to that point. But the fascinating thing between these two players, and I think this is really interesting when you when you look at two very similar players and and how they started out playing and their natural um, their natural tendency and what they like to do on the floor. Quickly, though, became a very good defender. Like right now it's shocking to me that we look at quickly. And and if you watch it, like, you're like, this is a good defender. This is a guy you put him on a playoff team, like the 76ers would get a lot better defensively. Imagine putting him out there with, with Anthony Melton. That's a very formidable um, backcourt defensively. It, and I, I bring it out. Cause I, I think it's, I just think it's, it's cool. It's cool to see two guys who are very similar diverge a little bit here. And I think have, have different value for different reasons um, quickly. Who's, you know, more of a, I, I, he's, he's an, he's an interesting thing. For, he's an interesting player for me right now. Cause he's, he's got that defensive badge now and he's still got a little bit of that um, mm-hmm. splashy shooter. Doesn't, doesn't always have it every night. Like Tyrese might have, but he's a little bit more, he's a lot more consistent as a defender. So just thinking, just thinking. Player value. Two guys that we we compared that at the beginning of the season that would have been absolute no. Right now, I'm thinking, you know, they're they're a lot closer than I thought.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that that that's fair. I still don't think it would be something that that would happen. But in real life,
1: yeah, no, no, yeah, obviously not. But
0: the the fact that it's a conversation now, and if you ask that question at the the start of the season, you mean you're you're stark raving mad. Like there's no there's no <laughs> way no way that that's happening. But yeah. That's, that shows the growth in, in IQ. It's great to see, and the fact that Maxi is still is still playing at, at such a high level, and it's great to see young guys who weren't the top prospects coming out of the draft really, uh, really continuing to develop and, and showing they have a role on two teams that are that are uh, that are winning in the NBA. But uh, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, my thanks to Chris for joining me. It was a, a fun episode, some interesting conversations, Grizzlies, Warriors, your rivalry, just accept it, Seventy Sixers. Time to step up on the defense and make sure you guys put a playoff run together this year because otherwise I might have to give up on the process myself. But again, thank you all so much for listening. It's been a pleasure. And most importantly, remember, take every shot and love every moment.